Amen. We've had a feast already, haven't we? Yeah. I was handed a note card a while ago, and if I don't mention this, I might be in trouble later. If you're into yoga, it's at 5 today, 5 o'clock yoga. Uh, my wife handed me that card. If I don't mention this, well, you know. Okay? Okay, so welcome to Trinity Sunday. Um, this is a fabulous piece in front of me, and it's a Trinity Celtic knot. Um, and we worship a God who is three persons, yet all sharing the same essence. Um, we live as Christian people by a different calendar. So Trinity Sunday this week, if you were here last week, we had a young man uh, who's connected with us through solidarity, Karim, and he was painting right over here uh, with this down on the ground. Uh, we couldn't really see it and it needed time to dry, but this is the result of his painting. And uh, it was Pentecost Sunday last week, so the calendar of Christians is a little different than the calendar of Hallmark. And we're living into the rhythms of that life. Last week, Pentecost Sunday, which is a funny church word, which is all about the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. And remember the story with flames appearing uh, as tongues of fire on their head. And they spoke different languages. And the Holy Spirit of God sent people out to go and share the good news of the love of God in Jesus Christ. And this week, it's Trinity Sunday, where we give thanks to a loving and holy God that is three persons sharing the same essence. So what that means is there's never a time, even though uh, a particular person in the text like Jesus shows up, the Spirit's there and the, and the Godhead is there. When the, the main character of the text is the Godhead, the Spirit is there and the Son is always there. When the main character of the text, which doesn't happen as frequently, yet it does, Pentecost Sunday, when the main character is the Holy Spirit, the Son is there and the Godhead is there also. So a very rich time in the liturgical calendar in the life of the church. Today, on Trinity Sunday, we're looking at perhaps one of my favorite texts in the New Testament. It's Luke chapter 4, and I'd like to draw our attention to it now as we read the text. Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. Lengthy, I'm going to read this all the way through verse 30. Jesus returned to... Here's last week, Pentecost, right? In the power of the Holy Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. So his reputation was preceding him. He was teaching in their synagogues. And you got to notice this phrase, and everyone praised him. Notice this phrase. They love this guy. By the end of these 30 verses, or by the end of our text this morning, it's going to change significantly. We want to dive into that. He went to Nazareth. His hometown, right? Remember Christmas? Where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. So this is the first time Jesus speaks in his professional ministry. And this is the text he chooses. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That's an audacious statement. Because he has anointed me to proclaim, check this out, good news to the poor. 
Anybody feel poor today? Financially? <laughs> Are you afflicted? Spiritually poor? Hungering and thirsting for something? You come to the right place. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner. Now notice this. And in, in, in your mind, good news to the poor. Freedom for the prisoner. Recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free. And to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jubilee, and I'll unpack that later. Then in very dramatic fashion, he rolled up the scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. Now the, the rabbis in those days when they would teach, they would sit down. And so Jesus sat down. And the eyes of every single person in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he preached the shortest sermon ever. And you want me to do that today. <laughs> Sorry, you're going to have to get over that. But he says this one sentence. Today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And they loved him. They all spoke well of him. They were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. And, you know, he's coming back to his home church. Oh, isn't this, isn't this Joseph's son? Remember when I taught him in Sunday school? He's so cute. Look, he's grown up to be such a good young man, they asked. And Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. Now things are starting to heat up. Physician, heal yourself. And you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we've heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time, and when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land, yet Elijah was not sent to any of them. This is where it gets kind of tricky. But to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. See, what's happening here is <laughs> our prophet isn't neglecting the widows of Israel, but he's going to a widow of a foreign country. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha, the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. Again, the prophet Elijah goes beyond the people of God to a different country. It's important to catch this drama because it's very dramatic. And remember how much they loved him at the beginning? Check this out. All the people in the synagogue, now they're furious when they hear this. They're just, they're beyond themselves. They're crossing their arms. Thank you. They got up drove him out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. What? And I love this verse. But he walked right through the crowd and he went on his way. He eludes 
being thrown off the cliff. It's the reading of God's I haven't figured all this out yet. I don't know how many times I've read this text or even preached it. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Each time I sit down to dig into the text, it's new and fresh and different every day. That's the, that's the joy of the text. And there's some things that I discovered even this time that I, for some reason, just hadn't seen before. Or it wasn't as pertinent to the context that I was living at the time, perhaps. But it's good to wrestle with the text. It's good for us to have these kind of conversations with the text to figure out what it means for us today. Now, what's interesting about this particular text is it shares with us what Jesus believed the gospel to be. And the text instructs us in what the gospel is not as much as what the gospel is. So sometimes we, we compare things in order to find out what it really is that we're striving to be like, right? Not this, but this. Not this, but this. And I think there's some of that happening today in this text. Because the gospel according to Jesus is more than just making an impression on someone. It's the ability to make an impact wherever we are located. So the gospel is not just an impression, it's an impact. Not impression, impact. Uh, I live in Brea. Any Breaites here? Okay. Placentiaites. Oh, all right, good. Otherites, otherites, uh, folks that are just like oh, whatever. Get on with what you're talking about. <laughs> so I live in Brea, and usually I head south on Valencia from Imperial, and then Valencia. Where am I? I gotta get my bearings. Valencia heads south and intersects with Yorba Linda, right? So I get to the stop sign, or the stoplight usually there at Valencia and Yorba Linda, and a couple of weeks ago I started noticing something just looked different. What's going on on this intersection? Something's, it's just different. I mean, I've done this thing probably hundreds of times now, and that intersection was different. The impression that that intersection was leaving on me was just different. And I had to look a little bit more, a little harder. And I realized what had happened. There were 12, and I had to go count them. It took me three or four trips to figure this out as I'm driving by. One, two, three, four. Twelve huge pine trees that were removed. Have you noticed this? If you haven't noticed this, now you should. Right on that corner, there's, there's townhouses and condos right on that corner, and it's just now this vast panorama of open space where there used to be 12 huge pines, right? The impression of the street corner had changed in my mind. But the impact of the homes living there had not changed. In other words, the real estate was the same. The townhomes were the same. The essence of what's on that corner was the same. But the impression had changed. And the gospel according to Jesus Christ is less about the impression of what we see and more about the impact that it's having on the real estate. Metaphorically. In our neighborhood. In our Acts 1A, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. 
to the ends of the earth, all around the world and into our back door again. Isn't that an interesting phrase to think about ministry and gospel according to Jesus is less about the impression of it and more about the impact that is being had in the lives of people. Because this text takes us there this day. So I think we can move from impression to impact. And it involves a few moves. I don't know if I'm going to go through all these moves. Because after all, Jesus' sermon was one sentence long. But I am watching the time for you. Here's what I noticed, and it's, it's kind of fascinating. Um, Jesus, on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue. There was only one temple. The temple was in Jerusalem. But there were synagogues all over the place. In fact, it was really easy to establish a 501c3 synagogue wherever you went. All you needed was 10 men. Sorry for the misogyny. I didn't write the story. It just appeared in the text. We've come a long way since then. All you needed was 10 men to establish a local synagogue. And Jesus goes into the synagogue, as was his custom, on the Sabbath day. And here's what I had never seen before. And it totally changed my impression. I went from impression to impact. It wasn't, it wasn't anything about the music. It was about the word of God and Jesus Christ. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So he goes into the synagogue... And here's what's interesting. In ancient Jewish worship services, there was no music. The worship service went something like this. They started with a welcome and call to worship, and then they read the Shema. Remember Mindy early on this week, or this morning? <laughs> this morning she read the call to worship. And last week, Judy read the same text. I did that on purpose. I wasn't asleep at the wheel. They read the Shema. Shema, O Israel, hear. O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Bind these things on the door frames of your homes. Tell your kids when you're walking up and down the road. It's a fabulous text. Jesus would have said that text every single day. A worship service in the synagogue began with the Shema. And then they would tell 15 to 18 different benedictions. Then they would read the Old Testament Torah reading. And then they would read the prophetic words. Jesus, this day, would give a little exposition. He'd talk. And then they'd do a benediction and they were gone. Pot roasts in the oven. We don't really live like that anymore, but it's a wonderful sentimental memory. Right? Isn't that fascinating? Because worship is all about Jesus Christ. Worship is always all about Jesus, the Word. Worship is just always about coming into the presence of Jesus Christ. Man, blew me away. Because Jesus Christ is God's justice in human form. It's always about Jesus. It's always about Jesus. You bring who you are in that particular moment to Jesus the Christ, the living word. That's the move from impression to impact. 
Jesus makes the impact. Not the trappings. Not the trees. I noticed some other things in this text that are particularly striking. Jesus chose a text out of Isaiah, and he quotes it here, Isaiah 61, I believe, because it was the fullness of time. And again, we have to notice what's not in the text. It's not the four spiritual laws. It's not the Roman road. It's not the bridge, although those are all very helpful. There's nothing wrong with those particular things. But we have to be careful that we don't make those impressions the ultimate impact. It's about release. It's about freedom. Do you notice that? Remember when I told you to just line them up? Preach good news to the poor, the, the afflicted. Recovery of sight for the blind. The release of the, the prisoner. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, which is jubilee. It's about release. That's the gospel according to Jesus. It's not the other things that we make it. So are you poor today? Come. Come to Jesus. Are you afflicted? Come to Jesus. Are you anxious? Are you afraid? Are you lonely? Are you distraught? Come to Jesus, because when you come to Jesus, the, the Godhead and the Spirit is there at the same time. And there's freedom. There's release. Are you a prisoner for anything? Prisoner of the past? Prisoner of the present? Prisoner of the future? Freedom? Freedom. Anybody here blind? I'm getting there. I'm getting closer, man. Recovery of sight for the blind. You see, Jubilee is in the life cycle of the ancient Jew. Every 50th year, this fascinating transformational moment happened. The land wasn't farmed. Debts were canceled. Slaves were freed. All debts were considered paid in full. Isn't that wonderful? How many times have you remortgaged your home? Just waited out for 50 years because eventually it'll be free. You're done. Paid in full. I grew up, I grew up in a church tradition uh, that used a common cup for communion. Anybody remember those? I also was reminded this last week that in the South, there was a time in the history of our country where you would walk into schools or anywhere for that matter and there'd be a fountain, a water fountain for whites only and a water fountain for blacks only. And if Jesus is God's justice, how could we ever think that there should be one fountain for a white person to drink from and one fountain for a black person to drink from. Thankfully, we don't have two fountains today any longer. 
but we still have softer versions of two fountains. See, the gospel message of Jesus Christ is always about amnesty, liberation, and freedom. It's not about those four laws that we've made it into the last 50 years. It's so important for us so that we understand how we're positioned to go. That's why Jesus, in this gospel message that he ushers forth today, he asks us to still continue to unpack the ways in which our culture still operates with two fountains. And it's not just with African Americans. It's with people of all colors. Because we're people who exhibit courageous hope for a world that Jesus says, use a common cup. This is powerful, isn't it? What a feast. What a difference between impressions and impact. We're called to make an impact for God in Jesus Christ, not just impressions. It's not about the trees. It's not about the trappings. It's about the real estate. Right? It's the real estate. And some of the dynamic, even in the sanctuary, has shifted. It's the same dynamic that happened then. Man, when, when the when pastor starts going down this track, man. <laughs> At the beginning, oh, isn't this great? This is wonderful. By now, see the dynamic? Do you feel it? I do. I do. Isn't that fascinating? It's the same dynamic. Because thirdly, it's, it's, it's not about yesterday. It's not about what happened back in Jesus' day. It's about today. Did you notice that in the text? Today. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Yesterday's today is still today's today. You want me to say that again? I've been practicing that one. I'm not kidding you. Yesterday's today is still today's today. Because we're still living in this moment of already but not yet. The same moment 2,000 years later. Today is still today. This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. It's not about the impression of yesterday. It's about the impact that the church in the gospel of Jesus Christ has today. It's not a yesterday or an even worse, a nebulous someday. It's today. Love that text. Just love this text. Is it making you uncomfortable? So forth. Let me, let me pick up the pace a little bit. Because I think they're all embedded in this text. So the people start to realize, ooh, this Jesus is serious, man. It's not just about warm fuzzies of the impression. It's, ooh, we got a call. We're called to be activated. Right? We're called to be action-oriented because we follow a different calendar to go. And this is where it gets even more fascinating. 
Because the people want Jesus to do a miracle. Oh, just do something really cool, like you've been doing down in Capernaum. We want some of that action. We want a piece of that. And, and Jesus kind of gets snarky because he knows what they're thinking. And he says, listen, you've already heard about it. I, I'm not going to do it here because I've already been doing that. Besides, your heart isn't right. You want the impression. I'm here for the total impact. You want the short game. I'm here for the long game. So he says, I'm not gonna, I don't need to prove anything to you by performing a miracle. I can do it, but it doesn't really matter what I do. You may not receive my message. I'll start with my family and friends and my home church and my Sunday school teacher. But I'm really concerned about those who have never lived this way before, never, have never heard about this message before. Right? That's my main and primary concern. So fourthly, it's not just about making folks feel good. It's about, sorry, fifth one. I'm on the wrong one. I'm getting nervous now. It's not about taking care of our own only. It's about those who haven't seen this way of life before. Number five in your notes. See, Jesus doesn't go elsewhere because he's rejected. He's rejected because he goes elsewhere. Did you catch that? I need to say that again. Jesus does not go elsewhere because he's rejected. He's rejected because he goes elsewhere. He moves from the impression to the impact. Whoa. And then they want to, <laughs> seriously? They want to they end him. They want to quit him. It's crazy, isn't it? Remember last week in the temptation narrative? Satan, the adversary, says to Jesus, tempts him by saying, hey, jump off over the cliff, your angels will catch you. This week, it's his home church. The irony is so thick, right? Golly. The real deal here is not about making us feel good, kind of that thing. It's about making the choice to follow Jesus Christ. Wherever Jesus Christ leads us. And in this text, it's from impression to impact. It truly is. It's about making the choice when he leads us elsewhere. It is our choice, but we have to choose we choose impression or impact. Okay, last one. I've almost made it. You guys are wonderful. It's less about being popular, which we all want to be, right? Who doesn't want to be that? More about go. Go. Just go. Tracking with me? Seeing it in the story? I'm not making this stuff up. See, Elijah bypasses a widow of its own for a foreign widow. Elijah heals a Syrian woman on the other side of the border. <laughs> what? Jesus calls us, and when we choose him, we go to different folks in different places, and anything less really isn't gospel. That's the impact of the gospel message, right? Right out of the text. 
Uh, let me lighten this up a little bit. Anybody here, baseball fans? You guys? Okay, two or three. <laughs> uh, so you know I'm a slight baseball fan, although I don't. I really get into it the later in the season we go. It's like a basketball game. Why? Why watch until the last five minutes of the basketball game? That's when everything happens anyway, right? I got stuff to do, you know. So anybody remember a guy named Ozzie Smith? Okay, who did Ozzie play for? Okay, yeah. All those places, right? But he, he was a Southern California guy, right? Do you know the backstory about Ozzie Smith? Ozzie Smith decided as a teenager, a young boy, that he wanted to play baseball. He loved baseball. He tried out for Little League. Ready for this? He did not make it. Now, who doesn't make Little League baseball? I mean, in our day and age, everybody gets a trophy, a participatory trophy. And that's another sermon. I don't want to get into that. Okay? So Ozzie Smith, probably the greatest shortstop of all time, tries out for Little League, and he doesn't make it. How is this possible? So you know what he did? He was so poor in the streets of L.A., he couldn't, aff he couldn't afford a glove, he couldn't afford a ball, he couldn't afford anything. I love this story. He, he took old sandwich, brown sandwich bags, you know what I'm talking about? And he put a whole bunch of them over his, over his hand, and he taped it up, and that was his glove. And then he found a tennis ball lying in the streets, and he would go to the back alley. And remember doing this? I, you know, you used to do that. You'd throw the ball against the wall, and you'd chase it down. Now, Ozzie Smith went on to become, as you know, and you listed all the places he played, St. Louis Cardinals, one of the greatest, I think, probably the things he did when I was growing up watching baseball all the time, he was the most acrobatic, agile, amazing shortstop I think I've ever seen. One-handed grabs deep in the hole, flipping and turning in the midair, throwing guys out. Never seen anything before. Just YouTube him in about 10 minutes, and uh, you can see some of the stuff Ozzie Smith was doing. Right? Here's a guy that understood how to move from impression, I'm no good, to impact. Greatest shortstop there is. Because he chose to be and do life like that. That notion of just taking old sandwich bags and putting over your hand and taping it up just kills me every single time. Ozzie Smith knew what it was meant, knew what it was like to go from the impression of something to total and complete impact. Now, I know I'm asking a lot of a 106-year-old church. And yet, if there ever is a church that can heed the call to move from, thank you, impression, thank you for the four of you. Let's all say it. Impression. Impact. Impression. Okay, good. Thanks a lot. That can move from, make that move. It's PPC. I love you guys. Men and women, I meant it inclusively. I'm politically correct as much as I can be. And it's not so much about the things that we make it about, it's much more these other items, right? It's about Jesus, it's about release, it's about today, it's about grace for all. It's about those who haven't seen this way of life before. But we make a choice because we're called to go. That's the move from impression to impact. That's the move from... You're not worthy to well done, good and faithful servant.
call to action today is real simple. Preach good news to the poor. Freedom for the prisoner, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's jubilee. Love that word. Don, who was up here a little while ago, he's going to be, you're not going to miss Don. Don's, Don's going to be right out in the patio, and if you want to help finance the next food distribution, or better yet, sign up to go. And not everybody has to carry, they have younger people. They have 20-year-olds that will throw a 100-pound sack over each shoulder and then stack four more up and carry them carry down. All you got to do is go. I encourage you to just go. Just go. If you haven't done it, go once. If you've done it once, go again. It's transformational. Okay? You've been great this morning. Thank you. Uh, may we all. May we all be able to live deep into the power of the message of this day. This can be, should we choose to accept this mission. Sorry, I saw a trailer for the next Mission Impossible last night. Transformational, not just in the life of this church, for the life of the church. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. What a feast today. An emotional roller coaster, dare I say. Forgive me, God. Forgive every one of us here. Because we're human and we tend to make it about all the wrong things. Today was a reset. Today was a reset. Reset each of us. Reset all of us. Reset and reestablish your church. Jesus is God's justice incarnate. And it's love that shares it. Period. May it be so. May it be so. God help us all. pretty sure we're going to sing another awesome song because you guys rock as usual, right?